The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the fog in the trees of the Pacific Northwest. What happens to drunken, stumbling, and bumbling fools in the clutches of the misty riverbed in the fort is why I must warn you. Listener discretion is advised. is a world unto itself, the unknown shore of the more well-tempered among us. It is the whole in the world to the continent of the tragically doomed, the traumatized, the madmen and lost souls. The way the bottle clinks when it's thrown aside tink and clunk as it finds its resting place on the pile of other port keys to other continents, each with their own set of evils, masquerading as pleasures. The final toll of the last ferry to that far, far away place. And that ferry, it's not free. Every ferry has a toll, even a midnight ferry across dark waters to some misty shore of inebriation. Some passengers pay in headaches and stomach pains. Others pay with the previous night's dinner cast upon the floorboards as vomit. And some pay in nights that turn into days, that blend into weeks and transform into years all gone paid in tribute to the bottom of a bottle. But then again, that's only true for those looking to escape. For those looking to forget or to punish. It's a whole different ship headed to a much darker and infernal place. And those traveling that way are not ferried benevolently by some hallucinated ferrymen. Those traveling that way are set on a boat without oars in a vast ocean of an unforgiving past. The gurgling waves of fermented grain or grape batter the hull. The internal scream and echoes of words long ago spoken irreversible and bouncing across the cosmos that fuel the inner madness of the mind fill the sails. Each sip of that drunken ocean spray the recollection of a bad deed, misspoken words, mistakes born out of the naive trust of a misspent youth. 
who knows where that ship sails. Where that maelstrom will take you, only the past has foretold and the future can see. Reverend Albert was deep in his bottles, the way he'd been since the last Sunday. Okay, since that last Saturday. The last Sunday service had been a bit of a wash, but he'd been filled with exuberance for his, well, unorthodox words about the good Lord. Hey! Hey, barkeep! Whiskey! Two fingers! Hey, you hear me? Hello? Son of... Last time I give you my hard-earned money... Oh, Reverend, mind giving a sermon about, I don't know, manners and good service, maybe cajole this good-for-nothing barkeep? Seems to be none of my business. Man's got a bar. Man runs the bar the way he wants. Well, how about you say a prayer for me then? Because my, my wife's going to kill me when I get home. The reverend straightened as he got out of his seat. He then wordlessly slid his beer onto the counter and rolled himself onto the wet and stinking bar and began to crawl to his feet. Wobbling, he balanced on one foot and then two. Bending down, he grabbed his glass and raised it. Hey! <laughs> Everybody look, it's a good old reverend! <clears throat> Listen closely, you heathens. You are the lowest of the low, the detritus of this town, the stinking, drunking anchor that drags all others down. And guess what? I'd rather be in this room with all you drunken fools than up in the old LaPont mansion on the hill, drinking wine and eating swine back in the good old days of our little town, the soggy fort. He was, of course, referring to the short burst of growth driven by the logging industry in the fort some years previous, before Mr. and Mrs. LaPont, on their passing, had bequeathed it all to Mark, their fool of a son, who quickly bankrupted the entirety of the sawmill operation that had fueled many, many jobs in town. Now, before our saint of spirits knocks out my feet from beneath me and throws me out into the cold, let me say a prayer for all you lost souls. When we drink, we get drunk. When we get drunk, we fall asleep. When we fall asleep, we commit no sin. When we commit no sin, we go to heaven. So let's all get drunk and go to heaven. Amen. As his saintly advice sounded throughout the pub, the barkeep, a rotund man named Jonah, yanked him off the bar, grabbing him with large hands on the back of the neck and led him out into the night. 
Reverend Albert could feel the power in the man's fingers as the thick cords of Jonah's forearms were plucked with rage. Albert stumbled off balance, drunk, as he fell to the ground. He rolled onto his back, feeling the cold mud seep through his coat. It was spring, and the days were warmer, but that only made the nights feel colder, and the rain fell even more relentlessly in that short season of rebirth as the fort bloomed into one hulking, green, leafy behemoth. His breath came out hot and stinking as nausea welled up in the root of his gut. That copper taste in his mouth. The way his tongue began to fold itself down as it made way. The good reverend was going to be sick. Wrestling himself up from the ground, trying as he may to keep the worst of the mud from his palms, he pushed himself up on the sides of his hands as he wobbled back and forth. Standing, the reverend grabbed himself up by the hair as if to pull that final piece, his heavy, drunken head to attention. A laugh tickled that slit section of his lip, almost whistling through the healed, jagged edges of it. It was a laugh of self-loathing, self-pity, a laughter of remembrance and forgetting. There was also resignation in its airy quality. The Reverend Albert spat on the ground in front of the aptly named Fort Pub and began his walk home, all the way back to Heaven Hill. His stomach flipped over itself as he walked. The ground was uneven, shifting under his feet and under the immense weight of the spirits he'd consumed. The quickest way to travel between two points is a straight line, but Albert, incapable of such divine workings, found himself walking to and fro across the filthy street, pushing himself off the occasional building as he passed to propel himself once again back across the street, and only slightly moving forward along the way. What had driven him to the bottle that evening, and the evening before that, and if the recollection of those days since he'd spoken with Mother Cyprian were told with honesty, the days and mornings as well, was simply put, a sense of loss and betrayal at the hand of his only mother figure. Why should this one strike differently, when he'd experienced it many times before throughout his life? Since his childhood, since Bart had passed, and then again when his own life had been lost, and then again when he'd been confined to the sanatorium for years and everything he was was reshaped and reformed and himself re-educated. He thought himself a ghost, watching his body all these years since perform actions and spouting words that did not feel as if they were ever truly his. What is a person, if not for the collection of their experiences? All the reverend's experiences had been forced upon him by others. His God-given wits, as few as they were at his birth, had been multiplied in unnatural ways. The way he looked and carried himself, the way he sounded, the authority in his voice. All these things had not grown in the garden of his soul and body They'd been transplanted once the soil had been corrupted. When Albert found himself drunk, he imagined his 
lethargic eyes and unsteady hands. His slouched posture and illiterate ramblings felt much more natural in his bones. That's what he'd been intended to be after all slow and dumb until the man in the cave and his dark intervention. And then after him, Mother Cyprian and her guiding, soothing, but strict hand. When he was drunk, though, he could be who he was meant to be. Or so he told himself. In truth, there was no such reality that afforded him the bliss of ignorance or the childish joy of unburdened shoulders the way he wished. The world in which his feet stood firmly rooted to the earth was the only one there was and ever would be. But that didn't mean he needed to be at peace with it. Before he knew it, Reverend Albert found himself at the base of Heaven Hill, staring up at his humble church. There he closed his eyes, swaying uncomfortably as he tilted his chin up to the night air, breathing it in as he prepared to walk in. He'd be as composed as he needed to be to keep that obnoxious little creature named James from calling him out on his belligerent state. And he'd be as composed as he needed to be to keep James from being disappointed in him. Yet again, that quiet manner in which James watched him as he made his way to his room in the back as he passed through the pews trying to be silent in the night, inevitably stubbing his toe or throttling his knee along the way down the narrow path to the pulpit and the doors that led into the hidden depths of the church. Few things made the good reverend feel quite as ashamed as hearing that silent shaking of the boy's head in the dark. It carried such disappointment. Standing there still, the air was damp and cold. Each breeze carried with it a thin film of wet that covered leaves and dripping dew and sat shimmering on the woolen fibers of coats. His eyes closed. He inhaled deeply. Hello, Albert, my old friend. The Reverend did not turn. He didn't so much as flinch or jump in surprise. He only continued to breathe in the night and its chilling wonders. Oh, come now. Are we really still in a tiff? Still ignoring one another? You know I truly don't deserve this cruel treatment. I've only ever done what was best for you. Didn't I warn you? of Agnes Cyprian. I told you she's much worse than I am. I know what I am. There is no pretense, no illusion of piousness. With her, you'll only ever be let down by the mighty standard she demands of others, but refuses to uphold herself. 
You see the difference between her and I. I am what I am. Simple. I obey my nature. The sticks and stones and tar that make up my body and soul. Cyprian has made her choices, and those choices paved her path with a cobblestone street of skull caps that crunch under each step she takes. You should be with me, Albert. Learning, growing, thriving. I am the one who planted the seed that birthed the titan you could be. If only you didn't hide behind your vices and just listened to me. You know, I've always thought of you as a son of sorts. After all, it is I who gave you the gift that gave you the talents and sight you have now. Still, Reverend Albert stood, chin turned up to the sky, feeling as the slightest drizzle of rain began to drift down, dotting his face, sobering him. He wouldn't look back. He wouldn't address the man. He would not speak to him. This is the way it had been for many years. Ever since, he'd been left to rot as a boy in the cave. Each time that voice polluted the air, he would simply recollect the feeling of having some malefic creature set loose upon him as he lay motionless on the cave floor as the boy. The feeling of its claws digging into his tongue as it climbed down his throat and into his chest where it began to nibble away at his heart. He recalled the memories of the taste of its poxed and oozing skin and the trail of pus it left along its path. The physical pain of it all was gone, but the memories remained. And now, with the man behind him, all he had to do was ignore his voice, ignore the pulling of that creature which lay wrapped and poised at the core of his body and soul and ignore the tuggings in his back under his tight coat. When will you let loose your whispers? Albert could feel the man's dirty, sooty fingers daintily run along his back, to and fro across the bumps and ridges that lay hidden. It really is a shame. You aren't more of a confidant to the townsfolk. I'm sure you'd collect many more, and then you wouldn't have to burden yourself with leashing them back. You'd have no choice but to let them free from your skin. 
Doesn't it itch? Doesn't it burn when they struggle in there? I know better than most how sharp their claws can be, and how frantic their teeth bite. Why don't you take off your vestige right here and now, and let them roam free of you? Give yourself that tiny little gift. Unburden yourself, Albert. You deserve it ever so much. These were all words that had been spoken many times before. In some ways, it seemed as if that moment was an echo of the first time. And like the memories that played on repeat in Albert's head, the children he'd taken to their ends in the cave. It was only a construct of his own imagining as a way to punish himself for his past and present failings. If you don't come to your senses, I'll have to replace you. Or maybe I already have. Maybe I've already got another lost son of the fort stashed away for a rainy day. Do say hi to James for me. He seems like such a good, obedient boy. You've raised him well. He's bluffing, Albert thought to himself, knowing full well the obsession the man in the cave, whatever his name truly was, had with him. The reverend began ascending the stairs into his church, leaving the man confined to the darkness at the bottom of the hill as he climbed up towards the top of Heaven Hill where his church, and more importantly, his bed was. Through the doors and through the pews, Reverend Albert stopped and stood for a moment, his ears searching for the sound of James' heavy breathing, but hearing none. He casually shrugged it off, too drunk and weary to care by then, and stumbled past the pulpit through the door, down the sparse hallways, and into his room. Lighting a candle, the reverend grabbed the rock-hard stale end of a loaf of bread and tossed it into his mouth as he began to disrobe. He peered at himself in a small, tiny, cracked and grubby mirror. The way his face had aged, how glassy and downturned his eyes were. He made note of the graying stubble that had once been dark and proud on his chin. He had once wished to be more. He had been filled with false hope and dreams of doing good in the fort, making it better, making it more, and helping the townsfolk be proud and good, honest people. It had been years since those delusions had dried up. With each unfaithful husband or wife filled with violent urgings, the things he'd seen and heard, the children with cold, dead eyes lacking any ounce of empathy or kindness, watching them grow up and hide who they truly were. The family pets mutilated, the thievery, the wandering hands and wandering eyes, each disgusting, 
secret the reverend had heard. Each terrible deed and an unresolved conscience looking for forgiveness from, as far as Alba could tell, an absent father. Instead, he internalized them all, each a seed pressed into his skin into the meat and muscle sending roots into his marrow as the seedlings grew. His hand reached back over his shoulder. Topless, the chill of the evening touched his shoulders. He could feel them as he dragged his fingers over those parts of his back that he could reach. He dropped one shoulder as he dragged the candle closer so he could observe himself in the light. Peering over his shoulder, he saw the familiar grotesque sight. His skin was pale and pink. It looked waxy in the light. His shoulder was dotted in freckles, and just below that, the skin was pinched into thick ridges of flesh, and the ridges had become more and more pronounced over the years, until meaty holes sunk deep into his back. If he could catch the flickering flame light just right, he could see the entirety of the grotesque mutilation of his back. Reverend Albert's spine raised, pushing tightly on the underside of his skin in one long mountain range of spinal bone and cartilage. And from that, each side extended sweeping valleys of honeycomb. And from there, on each side, extended sweeping valleys the width of his back of honeycomb-like flesh. One irregular-shaped hole nestled tightly to another. Some were empty, while others were not. With each whispered secret, with each request of repentance, each terrible or dirty deed of each townsfolk of the fort who sought to absolve themselves of their responsibility and accountability, another loose film-covered honeycomb pit grew and that pit would fill with each secret Reverend Albert held that was not his own, the less human he became, the less he was himself. Eventually, he would burst, letting loose a plague of whispers, those sulfuric, malefic manifestations of each ill deed. Each malicious rumor, each confession, each deathbed secret. There in his room, in a drunken stupor, 
disillusioned, seething with anger and disappointment. He once again recalled the words he'd heard many years ago in Riverside. Father of Whispers. Looking back into the mirror, he could see their faces sleeping in his flesh. Their human-like faces with their disturbingly large eyes and their rat-like claws nestled under their chins. He could feel them in his skin as they kicked and turned, as they grew and took form. He could feel as they took from him a small piece each. And he knew he might not be able to hold them back much longer. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. The fort is built on secrets and shadows, on unspoken truths and the designs of the long shadows, whoever they may be. But it's also built on the support of its townsfolk. Would you like to support our tiny little monstrosity of a town by mending the roof of the church? Or keeping the doors of the sanatorium for the lost and unwanted open? Or perhaps you'd rather help build a mausoleum for the ones who will never die? In thanks for your support, and for only a few dollars a month, you'll receive episodes of The Town Whispers released early and forever ad-free, as well as exclusive short stories and one-shots to expand your knowledge of what lays dormant and watching under the earth. Would you like to see, with your own frail eyes that can only see what can be imagined by the goodness of a heart drenched in humanity by receiving digital rewards of the visual variety? All this and more will be revealed on our Patreon. Please consider joining us at www.patreon.com slash the town whispers. If you would like to support us in other ways, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at the town whispers or by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on the show, please head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. Yes. Yeah.